coming up on Art Palace. I'm, I'm thinking of a, a table farmhouse beer. Okay. Like, it's pretty straightforward. I knew that's where you were going to go. I don't think it's that straightforward. Oh. Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool people are Jason Brewer and Jared Lewinsky from Listerman Brewing Company. So how did, how did Listerman get started? So it got started back in 1991. Uh, by Dan and Sue Listerman, and we manufactured parts for home brewers. So false bottoms, bottle fillers, sparge arms uh, that were for large brewers, shrunk those down to size and manufactured them because no one was doing that at the time. And so we made them here in Cincinnati and shipped them throughout the country. When we go to a lot of uh, conferences and trade shows, people will stop us and ask us if we're with the Listerman from back in the 90s because that's how they got their start home brewing was by buying stuff from Dan uh, in the early 90s. So uh, he was doing that at the Hamilton County Business Center from 91 to 95. And then 95 moved into our current building, which is 1621 Dana Avenue, right across the street from Xavier. Oh. Uh, and then that's where he opened the homebrew shop. And so we have, still have the homebrew shop there today. Um, and in 2008, we uh, got a cold call for someone looking to sell a two-barrel brewery, uh, which is very small. It makes maybe four, four half barrels of beer at one time. And so Dan just on a whim bought it and started a brewery in 2008. Okay. And kind of been growing ever since 2008. This is our 10th year anniversary this year. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We're, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was going to ask, like, how did, how did you get involved with it personally? Uh, personally, I started mopping the floors and stocking the shelves. Nice. So, yeah. It's a, tr- a true underdog story. Um, but I have my master's in marketing from UC. Okay. And I was just tired of working the jobs that I was working. So I was like, you know, I'll just take this and see where it goes and started doing those, the job I was hired to do. And then also doing other stuff on top of that. And I think, I, like I said, I was hired to work two days a week and I don't think I've ever worked two days a week ever there. So, <laughs> and that was six, six, six and a half years ago. <laughs> How about you, Jared? Um, I've been here coming, coming up towards two years in August. Um, but yeah, I came here uh, from a startup I had up in Buffalo um and uh just got i got kind of lucked into it um you know they were they started looking after shortly after uh they found out that uh the brewer the last brewer was leaving and uh just kind of worked out i was just i was looking for for a change and uh they needed to change (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so what 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 does your job entail like uh, as your head brewer is that what he said okay um, I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of planning, um, scheduling, uh, inventory, uh, maintenance, uh, just kind of ordering. And then on top of that, just other physical jobs, uh, a lot of janitorial work really is, is basically being a brewer is making sure things are clean and sanitary. Okay. Um, and, uh, basically yeast does a lot of the work. We, we <laughs> just kind of let it do its work. Um, and then, you know, it's a lot of it's just making sure things are sanitary, you know, making sure you're minimizing problems, making sure you're minimizing oxygen pickup in, in the beer. Um, 
it's pretty much uh i mean it sounds fairly boring but like every day is just a new crisis it's just something <laughs> goes wrong like just it's guaranteed every every brewery of every day has a crisis every single day that needs to be resolved like something goes down something electrical goes wrong uh, hose breaks um just anything yeah. pretty much anything you can think of something's going to go wrong and it's a lot of it is is playing catch up to those things and and just trying to make sure that everything's more or less what you're planning it to do. And how did you get involved in brewing in general? Um, I so I, I went to school for psychology and uh, graduated 2007 2008. Uh, so you know, just when recession became super exciting for everybody. Um, so it was very very hard to find anything in in that field uh, that was worth it. And especially in New Jersey too. There's a uh, a lot of scandal that's uh, involved around a lot of like the third party social work. Uh, companies that exist, there is okay. almost always a problem, uh, and they're getting investigated. So it's just not a great, a great spot um, yeah. to to get started in that. And of course, anyone who's a social worker, you know, God bless you, uh, because you are not paid enough. Um, but it's very, very tough job, um, and it takes a certain person to do that. And I don't know if that was certainly up my alley. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely wanted to be. I wanted to continue education and everything. So I uh, ended up. Um, applying to grad school eventually. And then when I did that, I'd also been homebrewing for a couple of years at that point and uh, really became, I was like a huge nerd into uh, history and styles and everything um, and just wanted to get serious about it because I, I mean, I enjoyed what I was doing when I was homebrewing and, uh, you know, just exploring styles and, and drinking beer in general because, I mean, that's super hard to hate, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so then it just kind of worked out, and there was a, a program uh, that just opened up recently uh, in Canada uh, at Niagara College uh, that was a two-year program for brewing, and I just, on a lark, just decided to uh, also apply to that alongside okay. the grad schools, and you know, when I came back, I, I had my choices, and I decided to do that because, honestly, it makes more financial sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's It seems like this thing you probably wouldn't have imagined that that would ever be a career. Did you, I don't know, like your interest in brewing, was it just more of a hobby? And then, um, I mean, it was, I'd say it was beyond, you know, it's at the point it was beyond hobby and I wanted to be serious about it. Um, and it's sort of like every home brewer thinks that they can make better beer than everybody else. It's just, yeah. it's part, part of, part of the, uh, the illusion of, of home brewing to some degree of like, Oh, I'm going to make the best beer ever. Uh, and then you're slowly disabused of that idea as you, you do understand how, you know, beer is made and the struggles and things you have to do. And, um, you know, as long as, as long as you're making good beer, you're doing a good job. And that, that's really what it comes down to. And because the market's going to like what the market's going to like, and you may not like what you think is the best beer in the world, you know, people are probably might not spend money for it. Um, so yeah, so it, it's basically, you know, what it comes down to is you're able to do this process and you'll be able to make beer that is not flawed and is good and hits the style guidelines that's, that you're aiming for. And you know, that's successful beer. That's a good beer. Okay. Um, yeah. That was the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could keep talking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's the beauty of this is I can always cut anything out. So you know, <laughs> don't feel like you have to give me the short answer. I can always edit out what I... No, I, we, we need to cut... Keep it to the short answer oh. for Jared. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, how? Do, let's go uh, to the what we're what we are drinking right now, which mm. is the Terracotta Army beer um, that Listerman is making right now. Um, in kind of 
partnership with the the exhibition, mm -hmm. which I don't know if we've ever had a beer before. I think this might be our first. Uh, uh, we thought it was absolutely amazing that uh, you know the art museum reached out to us and was interested in doing something. Um, that was pretty stellar. Um, you know, especially after Fiona, uh, like we're, we're definitely riding high off of Fiona, you know, God bless Fiona. Uh, <laughs> Probably a lot of people are thanking Fiona for, uh, I'm sure that the zoo is, is very happy for Fiona absolutely. right now. So how, how do you, do, how do you sort of, what, what I'm interested in and, in, and in is how you translate something into a beer mm -hmm. in a way, like what, why, what made you sort of say, okay, this is what a terracotta army beer should taste like. <laughs> so we start off by looking at kind of what the season is. So okay. the season is spring slash summer since we don't get spring uh, anymore. Um, so we were looking. <laughs> right. Oh, it's Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so we looked at something that would be a nice summer, nice, easy drinking beer for the warm weather. Okay. So that kind of cuts out half of the beers. Right. Uh, styles, style wise. For, for us to have. And then uh, from that, you know, we were talking with the marketing department and, you know, some of the other other things. And, you know, we're getting really well known for our IPAs. And so Jared previously, I touched back to in my memory to a beer that Jared made uh, back in the day. I was like, this beer will never work. And it turned out to be pretty good. It was a New England red IPA. Okay. And I was like, well, the terracotta warriors are kind of red. Right. Clay. Right. And so, I mean, the you could see in the beer, it looks... It looks like reddish brown, yeah. but that's on purpose. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> and that is kind of the well. Actually, I mean, yeah, the terracotta, the the figures, they have kind of a variety of colors, but they right. are in that kind of reddish, warm brown. You know, mm -hmm. there's a few like one of them has a really red face um, because some of the clay was from different areas. They made um, the bodies separate, and then they would cast the heads. So sometimes the heads don't exactly match. But that's pretty cool. Yeah, they have. Uh, but yeah, it's that same kind of warm red. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you want to take it from there? Yeah, I mean, in general, uh, the way that I like to approach uh, recipe formulation is uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of themes and, and thematically tying um, everything about that beer together um, from what we put into it to what goes on the label and to how we talk about it. Um, it's just I think people respond well to unified themes and they feel more a part of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, so especially with this, um, so yeah, like we had to look at market concerns of like, all right, what, I mean, what's going to sell, what's going to be sell fairly quickly, uh, for this beer, you know, make it popular, uh, and people enjoy it. And just IPAs in general are like the, the thing that drives the market right now. It's like 30% of the market or some, some, some similar to that. Yeah. So it's a very, very large part of the market, um, is where this money goes towards. Um, and then uh, from there, you know, we're thinking about how can we make this more just more than just a beer that's going to be released alongside the uh, the event uh, and the exhibition. And then how do we kind of take it to be more personal? Um, and then so we came on the idea of making the color similar to what the the figures actually look like. Just mm -hmm. um, have that that imagery that is tied together. Um, and yeah, and and then it's kind of going from there. And I think the label art in this was fantastic. Um, I mean, how many people get to put like historical sculptures up and not get sued? <laughs> like, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's true. It's probably a pr pretty unusual for uh, a beer label to have sort of ancient art on it, something yep. from you know over two thousand years old. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, that's that's just like super cool. Um, I mean, that really gets me excited about this. And and it's, I mean, it's help supporting uh, a really phenomenal institution. 
Um, and I mean, it's tying people together all over the world. I mean, this came ba literally from halfway across the world to make it here. And uh, it's just, it was a big honor to just be asked to be involved with this. So we're pretty excited about this and pretty happy with how it turned out. Were there any other sort of decisions about uh, the flavor um, that sort of were specifics that you were kind of going for with it? And I'll, and I'm asking because I'm, I feel like I am not smart enough for me. <laughs> I don't have the language to describe what I'm tasting when I'm, a, when I'm drinking. I'm just like, Oh, it's, it's beer. I, I'm, I like anything. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a person of, of not no taste, but hmm. close to it. <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, taste is, taste is whatever, as long as you enjoy what we're doing and it's all that matters. Um, but yeah, as for like, um, we didn't like, we could have gotten real nerdy about this and, and tried to go back and look at what, you know, what, what were like the, the military rations like, you know, what, what was, uh, in the area. Um, but unfortunately I don't think it, it would be as quickly a seller um, <laughs> right? because like, yeah, cause I'm all about that. And there's a fantastic, uh, you know, there's historic styles of beer that are being produced by like dogfish head and stuff like that. And, and they're super very interesting and, and very good beers. Um, but, uh, for our size, it, it doesn't make sense for us to, to go down that route and, uh, because end of the day, we you know we, we still need to just make sure we sell the beer and, and make a profit right. off of it because we're, we're really not that big. Yeah. Um. And so like, hey, if we had you know, say we have another opportunity to do this and we've got you know we've got more behind us uh, going on, I would be more than happy to to look at really taking historical ingredients and bringing in bring it into this. But uh, for intents and purposes, we're just trying to make a really good drinkable beer that <laughs> that thematically has some you know the colors associated with. Uh, with the Terracotta Warriors and um, you know, just trying to make something really good that people are going to enjoy and especially for like the Art After Dark event and, and when they're here. Um, I think uh, the cafe is selling them. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Where else? Do you know where else uh, people can, can get them? Or I think they're all out. So right now, um, just in the tap room, we, do, like, we brought a 32-ounce crowler with us. Mm -hmm. So you can come get crowlers and pints of that in the uh, tap room. And actually next mm -hmm. Wednesday, we have uh, Keep the Pint Night with the terracotta army you come in and buy a pint of terracotta army okay and you get to keep the cool terracotta army pints we made oh nice they're beer. really cool glasses yeah really yeah nice. I, th I saw those those are, those do look really cool and then dollar dollar for each one of those go uh go to the go back to the art museum so it's oh a, that's awesome it's a win-win for everybody mm -hmm. thank you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might be going into my paycheck maybe. Nice. <laughs> hopefully it goes to the art but no offense. Well, wow. Oh, <laughs> Coming at him. <laughs> Man. <laughs> so what I thought we could do now is now that we've had a drink and loosened up, mm -hmm. <laughs> we can go to the galleries. And I thought we could look at some other art and I would see if you could sort of translate it into beer for me. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. That awesome. All right, so we are in Gallery 124, and we're, we've got a whole bunch of different um, artwork around us, and all of these have uh, Cincinnati ties. They are all uh, contemporary or, you know, kind of contemporary. I don't know, like, where those definitions begin and end is yeah. always a little fuzzy of, like, well, what's contemporary? But uh, I think we typically say stuff, you know, post-70s or 80s is usually gets yeah. lumped into contemporary for us. Um, 
So uh, we're actually standing right now, we're in front of a painting by uh, Stuart Goldman, who's a Cincinnati artist, and this painting is called Fold. And so I was just thinking, it might be fun to, to think about what kind of beer, if you had to translate a painting into a type of beer, what would it be? <laughs> so I hope this works. <laughs> so this painting, how would you describe this painting that we're looking at? I feel like there's a lot of pain in this painting. Pain? Yeah, like really? someone's grieving. Okay. With the, it looks like a guy might be over there, like in the red right there, might be grieving, like harched over, thinking grieving on top of this face that kind of looks like he's looking down and being sad. Whoa. Um, so maybe like a fruited Berliner Weiss, because it's very bright <laughs> and vibrant, and a Berliner Weiss is tart okay. and sour, so fruity yet sour. Okay. I see. I don't get any kind of grief from this, but that's, <laughs> I mean, hey, there are no, there are no wrong yeah. reactions. That's interesting. I, to me, it seems very joyous, and it's all kind of like bursting out at me, and it's so bright, but... It is very bright. Okay. So definitely, definitely something fruity and well, yeah, uh, when very you said vibrant. Fruity, I kind of was like, yeah, I'm with you there. I was definitely thinking kind of summery, but yep. I don't know. Well, Berliner Weiss is also summery too, so it fits in that, in okay. that, uh, that realm as well. Jared, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I'm just, just trying to take it in right now. Um, I, I just like how Jason went right for the throat on a... <laughs> just like, this is well, pain. I see, I see something. I just <laughs> no, have a feeling about it. I, just go. I mean, I guess, you know, too, it's, it, you could see that red is, like, very bloody, too. Mm. So I can see you kind of going to that, like, really strong emotion as well. It makes sense. It's, like, really intense. So, yeah. yeah. It just looks like it has two faces. Like one here, obviously yeah. my hand gestures can be seen on this podcast, and then one, <laughs> one up there inside the other gesture, which are both looking down yep. and both look very solemn. Huh. So that's where I kind of get I that. I see no faces. So there's one right, right here. There's like two figures. Like looking a fa like. Looks like a, this is the eye socket here. Okay. And then there's another figure like right there with yeah, the hair. Yeah, I kind of get that, yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe, I, I have no idea. I, I haven't, I, I have not... Uh, done extensive research on this painting so <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm having about the same like sort of i i, I know about as much as you do <laughs> yeah i mean you definitely i actually wrote figures. the wrote the book on mr goldman oh okay all right so he wrote the book i'm just kidding i've never <laughs> seen this painting before in my life yes um i mean i get a lot of uh, kind of kind of abstract expressionism of something i'm not sure what um but yeah, it is uh, definitely largely an abstract painting. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you're seeing things in it, I, I think that's fair, but I don't think everyone is probably going to see the same things in it. That's true. Now, I could definitely see, um, just from the vibrancy of colors, um, uh, some sort of additional flavoring, being it, be it fruit, be it herbal, uh, hmm. be it something like that. Um, that's something, it definitely is a plus. It's a something plus beer here for sure. Okay. Um, I could see it. I mean, I got, got some nice cool tones on the right side of the painting. And then it's very interesting because there's an sort of dividing the whole thing in two or in twain um, is uh, absence of color. Um, yeah, so there's this big like kind of white area. Cuts through it. Yeah. So I could see something, you know, like, so there is some degree of severity in, in what we're seeing here. And then uh, alongside blendings of color and kind of morphing in, in and out of particular colors and shades. Um, so I could see, so with all that kind of going on, like I'm feeling this is definitely a lower alcohol beer. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to say this is in the realm 
of uh, a lighter beer, so maybe a Pilsner or Berliner Weiss, uh, something that's lighter, and then it's getting these additional uh, expressions in how what we would add to that. So I could see it being a fruit, like we could, I could see a passion fruit lime, maybe, Ooh. or a blood orange lime. I was thinking blood orange here. too. I think um, it's probably just the bloodiness of the red with the yep. like citrusy orange color. I, like I think I kept going there too. Yeah. yeah. But I think with the with the the absence of color and that kind of that that uh, it makes it crisp, makes it pop a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking I could see like a, a fruited pilsner because that pilsner has got that nice dry, biscuity, clean kind of malt background that you can then play. You can play your with your color on top of that palette. Um, and just be nice, crisp. This whole thing feels very crisp and very, very succinct in, in its presentation. What, however you want to interpret it from there, like you could probably go on and on. But I think just visually, it's it's pretty, pretty crisp. Um, yeah, I think that's a good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think that's a that's a great way to describe it and a good parallel to a, a flavor that I, I probably wouldn't have thought of. That's really interesting. I love that some of the words like that you use to describe flavors are a lot of the same words that we end up using to describe art. So it, it is like actually maybe a little bit easier to kind of bring those in because you go, oh, well, this is kind of like this. And it, it, it'll, it, 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 there's more parallels there than you might imagine. Well, yeah, I mean, like in uh, some people have what, uh, synesthesia where they're, right. you know, they taste color and, you know, hear, hear color and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's definitely... You know, I think uh, the way that we describe, you know, the way we use words to describe things, um, you know, has far more than just a strict definition. And you know, like, as long as people understand what you're trying to convey, I think, you know, that's that's the whole point of describing anything. So, yeah, the words that we would use to describe beers, I think, absolutely can be salient to describing what we're seeing. Yeah. Well, let's go on uh, to this one right next to it because this was another one I think. Uh for me, would taste very different. Oh, yeah. So I kind yes. of had a, I, I think I have an idea of what I think this would taste like, and I want to see if you guys agree. So we're looking at a painting by uh, the artist named Jim Dine, uh, who was uh, from Cincinnati originally, went to school here, um, and kind of became associated with the pop art movement. Um, and this is his painting, Paint Acting Like a Tree, from 1980. Um, and so let's just kind of start out by describing the painting and what we're looking at. All right, all right, so we're seeing uh, a very large canvas, um, very large piece. The center of it is what I would probably describe as trunk of a tree that goes up into two distinct uh, thick branches that then spider off into many, many other branches, uh, painted against the background of blue-green, very kind of calming, uh, passive kind of background. And there's a, a whole mess of dark reds, purples, um, dark browns, uh, almost blacks, maybe navies. Mm -hmm. um, and then on top of that, there is some metallics, uh, so like silvers, so yeah, a bunch yeah. of silvers um, that are very interesting, um, especially when you think about tree and, and like something that is arboreal. I don't exactly leap to silver, so I think that's a very interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. to have that on you know the parts of your, parts of what this tree is yeah it's a I commentary mean, it's, on something i'm not sure what though <laughs> well and i mean it's called you know paint acting like a tree so i think True. it's it's very much you know at least from the title he wants us to be aware of of we're looking at something that is 
a representation of something else, right? Sure. Like it's it's sort of like the Magritte. This is not a pipe uh, kind of idea of like you're looking at a painting of a pipe, not a pipe. And yeah. so it's like, okay, this is paint acting like a tree. So it's almost like uh, to me, he wants us to be aware of the image of a tree and of it as just like an abstract painting simultaneously. True. Like uh, maybe it's about sort of getting in that place that's somewhere between those two things of like both at the same time. Like yeah. how, how far can I push it into representation while still feeling like something totally abstract? Maybe. Yeah. So what I, I see with this is kind of like pushing the boundaries. You know, it's not it's not just a tree. It's not just a painting. It's kind of somewhere in between there and trying to get the viewer to to really look at those sort of things. So the type of beer that I think would suit this is something that's right in our wheelhouse, and I think that's either uh, either a hazy IPA or a pastry stout. So mm. just until recently, now hear me out, Jared. Uh, just wait, until wait. very disparate. Well, just until Very recently, uh, hazy New England IPAs weren't really a style. They were just kind of the bastard stepchild of beer styles um, in beer in the United States. And just maybe a month ago, it finally got accepted as a, a style within the, the craft beer guidelines. So it was kind of, it lived somewhere in between reality and perception um, in the style guidelines. Oh, and so okay. I think that fits, the, you know, pastry stout is kind of there too. There's really, you know, pastry stout is something that tastes like a pastry and is a stout. So kind of self-explanatory there. I think the stout, I, 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 maybe I just went, I was going in that direction in my brain too of, of just something very like dark and smoky or something. Mm -hmm. That was kind of where I also just like the, you know, compared to this painting when we look, which we were kept describing as like crisp and citrusy. And I feel like this is none of that, right? Like it's sort of something totally It's definitely more on the dark side, but you know, it's more or less figuring out some, a style that's not really defined. It's somewhere kind mm. of in between two things and kind of, you know, some people hate it because it's not a tree and some people <laughs> hate it because it's not uh, art. It's kind of somewhere in between and there's a certain group of people that kind of love that mm. beer and that painting being somewhere in between. And I think that's kind of what the pastry stout is. Okay. Jared, what do you think? Yeah, this is a definitely a Baltic porter. Uh, definitely a Baltic definitely porter. Definitely a Baltic porter. And why? Um, Baltic porter is, I mean, just historically too, um, it... Uh, was taking a style from another country and uh, kind of uh, so so the, the basically the image of this tree is, is supposed to be a tree but it, it clearly is not just a tree so we're taking something that it's acting like a tree. yes so we're taking something that uh, is being borrowed from another country that slowly kind of changes and morphs um, and just the fact they're they're big uh, big dark beers um, and can have you know kind of a, a somewhat of array of, of flavors, uh, but in general, I like they're darker, smokier. Uh, and a lot of, it's the general feeling I get from this painting in general is, is a kind of uh, brooding, uh, you know, very thoughtful, very uh, monolithic. And I think that, that fits very well with the idea of what a Baltic porter is. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking I, I, porter would also be sort of in the range of where my flavor went with this too, but... You guys know more about the beer side of things. Um, so let's go, let's just go, since we're right here, let's flip over to uh, Ooh, this, this piece right here. Um, yeah, this one is fun. Uh, this I is like kind this. of a new acquisition for us. We've had it uh, since uh, 2014. So this is by, again, an artist who was born here in this area, Tom Wesselman, and uh, also was associated with the pop art movement. Uh, this is a later piece of his from, you know, but similar time period to um, 
to the last one we looked at, 1985 to 90, it says so. It's kind of odd, we don't know for sure for something that, or yeah. maybe he was working on it for all that time. That, that might be why it's got a, a range there is because he might have started it uh, yeah. earlier and, and was developing um, these. I know these pieces, um, he was working on this technique of uh, kind of these cutouts. You know, if you look at it, it looks like just a sketch when you come in the gallery, but it's like a sketch that is hanging on the wall and the white of like the paper that you might see in a, you know, a notebook or something is just the gallery wall. So it's really yeah. cool because it's this freestanding sketch and it feels, you know, incredibly fragile when oh, you look so at delicate. it too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised it's not broken. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's on cut steel, so I mean, I think there is, is, you know, probably not quite as fragile as it looks, so I'm sure we do. Oh, but it's so big. Yeah, I know, <laughs> it's true. It's like, you know, the bigger it gets, and that's just those thin little lines. Yep. It, it is a little bit like... I'd be very nervous putting this up. Yeah, it makes it, it's very <laughs> precious feeling to mm -hmm. me because of that. Um, and this is barn near Hilltop Airport. This this feels like too This is too challenging for me. I don't know what I would come up with for a beer for this. Do you guys have any ideas? Oh yeah, I think this is pretty straightforward. I mean, so it's a depiction of a kind of farmhouse, um, but you know, very minimalist. Um, uh, so it's very clean. Uh, so I mean, right off the top of my right off the top of my head, I'm I'm thinking of a, a table farmhouse beer. Okay. Like it's pretty straightforward. I knew that's where you were gonna go. I don't think it's that straightforward. Oh, oh so, wait, it, so it can. So it could either be a, a very low ABV table table uh, farmhouse style um, with since it's quite vibrant. I would say maybe some fruit addition or just something something that that is a little more vibrant. Mm -hmm. um, that's uh, an addition to the hops yeast and and kind of gets malt. brings out like the kind of colorful flowers down there yep. and stuff. Yeah, there's very um, nice little pops of color. But we could also kind of look at it as um, since all the colors are quite vibrant and big, we could look that could even be we could turn that into uh, a higher strength farmhouse style. I would say it could kind of it could go either way. Um, but off the top of my head, I would have to say just a, a table a table farmhouse style. Okay. I'm going to kind of take this in a kind of a different direction than Jared. Uh, so this reminds me of like a summer, summer day, you mm -hmm. know, there's flowers out, everything's green. So it's obviously not in the fall or winter time. So, um, it looks hot. I feel hot when I'm looking at this, this picture, just because I can imagine my, there's no shade really where, where we are. Everything's white. So there's no, there's no colored in shade. So I feel like I'm in the sun and I'm hot and there's one type of beer I want to drink when I'm in that. And that's like a, a lager or Pilsner. Um, and so to cool me down, but also because of the uh, fragility of the painting, you know, making a lager or pilsner is probably one of the hardest things any brewery can do because if the, you mess up, it's so light, you're able to tell in the taste of the beer almost immediately if it's not a good... IPAs, you can hide flaws with hops and stouts, you can hide stuff with adjuncts, but, you know, with, with pilsners and lagers, there's really no hiding anything. The beer is what it is. And with this, especially the way it's laid out, you know, we talked about how I'm just nervous looking at it because I feel like I'm going to break it by looking at it. <laughs> um, so, you know, because of that, you know, the hot, hot summer day out on the farm, you know, doing yard work and the fragility of the whole painting makes me feel like a logger or pilsner would be a great representation of this. All right.
Okay, well, I want to, let's, let's go, I think we can, I don't know if we should do every single piece in the room. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to skip, we do have one sculpture in the room, and, I, and, and because he's not turned on right now, I don't want to focus on him, so we, we can't, because we're not really getting the full picture, um, and we'll, we'll come back to him maybe one day for another show. Um, so we've got three other paintings, and I'm going to let you guys choose uh, which one you kind of go to first. So they're all pretty different. Well, two have maybe some similarities. Which one jumps out at you and I guess you guys could take different ones you don't have to say well I mean it definitely one painting is is clearly a visual eye catch um, for jumping out <laughs> <laughs> so this one over here yeah yeah I was kind of curious this would have been probably the one I would have suggested because I was curious what you would translate it so this is by uh, uh, Julian Stanchek uh, subordinate to yellow is the title of this piece uh, from 1967 to 68 um, and it is an it's kind of what we would think of uh, pretty typical op art. Mm -hmm. um, so we have you know these very straight geometric lines of really high contrasting colors that um, sort of vibrate um, when you look at the painting because uh, that like green against that uh, kind of reddish magenta -y color, and then with the it's even sometimes it's hard to tell what colors you're actually looking at in it because uh, yep. there's so much going on there. But that like kind of blue and the green and the and the reddish color, they sort of create all these different colors as they cross each other. Um, so yeah, I, I it's it's definitely one that would also I feel like taste very different than anything else we've probably looked at. This one's quite challenging. Yeah, not nothing pops out I mean, right away. Uh, too. There's nothing in beer that you know screams pink. Oh, know? I'm. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, a little, it's obviously a fruit edition. Or something. <laughs> besides, besides that, you know, we. We've or I think I think uh, I can't remember. Was it bamboo? There's something that that has a very vibrant, kind of neon color that we added in. Um, I don't know, I'm just seeing this. This this definitely just strikes me as. I mean, part of me also this thinks of like '80s. Miami Vice kind of color palette thing going on, uh, just very you know high high intensity mm -hmm. kind of colors, um, and I don't like I, I'm definitely seeing a uh, a big clean like a big sour beer with Ooh. a lot of fruit. Okay. I can see the sourness I'm where you're getting that. Yeah. that. yeah, it's 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 it. There, there's a sort of um, the intensity, the intensity, as well as like almost there's like kind of an acidity to mm -hmm. the uh, that green in there. Um, that yeah, that makes a lot of sense as a sour flavor when I look at it. Yeah, and it, I think and there's not. Is there actual yellow in this, or is this simply like the illusion of, th of the colors together? I think that is purely an illusion. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of the yellow that's kind of coming out, I think, is sort of just happening in our brains. I didn't even yeah. notice yellow until you said yellow, and now it's all I can see. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I was originally thinking, like, why is this called supporting it to yellow when I first glanced at it? And uh, just the more you look at it, the more, um, I guess, it's just playing with your. your your optics and just uh, yeah yeah when you get up close you can see there is no yellow yep, not at all <laughs> it's pretty directly and and as you get up close it kind of makes your eyes do even weirder things sometimes it's like oh my gosh when you get back actually it makes it a little bit like more comfortable to look at oh yeah uh, because those little tiny green stripes that like pop out between mm -hmm. the layers like they're so intense looking yeah I mean I could definitely see just basically uh, 
this would be, in my mind, an imperial sour beer with a couple different things playing together that give you a different flavor than what you'd expect. Mm -hmm. So I think that's would, that would be the trick to executing a beer off of this, would be create something better than the sum of its parts, that do something completely different, some kind of synergistic effect. Yeah, because it's like if you were to flavor. just say, oh, I'm going to make a painting, and it's like going to be red, green, and blue, mm -hmm. that's not at all what we're looking at, right? Like it's something no. way more complicated than what it is made out of. So yeah, I, yeah, I think you're, you're spot on with that. Any other thoughts on this one? My brain kind of hurts looking at this. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it almost needs to be a, something that is like a little bit like that. Garish gets, almost. Yeah, or... that when you said sour, I was like that that sort of physical reaction of like, ooh, like yep. a little bit like it, it almost needs to be a little painful to drink. <laughs> yeah, I could, maybe even uh, maybe a goes, maybe Imperial goes. So you got that, that salinity on it too. That That's a little, I think it's a little weird for a lot of people who are, Beer drinkers that don't don't drink a lot of uh, other styles yeah. that goes on that use use other weirder things like coriander and, and, mm -hmm. and such. But yeah, I could see I could see that happening with this. It's interesting because it's both like while we're talking a lot about the colors, which do a lot of really extreme things, compositionally it's actually like sort of zen and like oh, very yeah. calming too. So it's it is a weird mix of lots of different feelings. It's a very bizarre juxtaposition on itself. Yeah, yeah. This was the only one I wondered, like, is this almost too easy? So uh, this is um, Joseph Marioni's light image right here. I mean, is it is it too too basic? Is it too? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, that's the, I think the point of this, that it appears basic, but it's not. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this also is like one almost I felt like I was worried, like, is this too easy in that it's like a big yellow painting? So it kind of just feels <laughs> like it's like it's already the color of beer. Um, it's like, does it maybe uh, make you have to do a lot of work? But this is uh, we've talked about this a lot in the show of this sort of like paintings that fall into the category that a lot of people would be like, well, my kid could do that um, yeah. sort of realm. And, and because we this is you know, this very flat color field painting. Um, but it's really, it is more complicated than you, like you say, and, and it's, I think a lot of it is about um, that light that's going through the paint and bouncing back at us and the different yep. layers. And you can see those edges um, where you have some of those different little shades of yellow that pop out and the way the, the colors are layered on top of each other. Um, it, it is very subtle while yeah. at first appearing very basic. Yeah, I mean, just for me, right, the, just kind of sitting at looking at it for a bit, I just think that if this were to be a beer, it would be a well-executed Hefeweizen. Hmm. Um, and I say it has to be well-executed because the purpose of, I mean, at a glance, this seems like a big old bunch of yellow, uh, but the more you look at it, the more you spend time with it, um, you know, you can see that there is distinct, very, um, well-designed uh, changes and variations. Um, and that's why I just feel like, you know, it, it's, it is all the one color and Hefeweizens are, I think are very specific to the mm -hmm. flavor profile. So like that would remind me of it. Also it's yellow and banana. Um, I mean, is this like bright, obviously yellow to you guys? Mm, I mean, there's, there's the middle section is bright. Uh, the edges are a little like kind of almost muddier and yeah. and, and a little mustard. This looks way more orange than yellow to me. Mm. 
I can see that. There are parts that are definitely dipping into the orange. Like yeah. when I look at the edge there, um, I, it, it, I guess to be fair, it is probably, uh, you could call this like a yellow orange. Yeah. Probably is it's why we're seeing it. <laughs> we're falling on one side or the other because mm -hmm. it is, it's like that. Somebody was having this, this debate with me recently about like when people call like yellow cheese or something and they're like, but that's orange. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> they were yeah. like, and I think it's a similar. That's exactly what this kind of looks like. It is that. the same color of like a, a sort of craft single, right? I can see both, <laughs> but then I, I look at it in a different way. I was like, no, it's definitely orange. Yeah, yeah. Which just makes, you know, we talked about earlier about, and sorry to interrupt Jared's story here, but we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, how beer is perceived differently by everybody. And here we are having a discussion if this painting is two different colors and <laughs> right. it's just like, and it's, it's probably one of the more simple paintings that we've seen today. And, and we were having a debate over <laughs> what color it is. Right. right so right. it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's beauty in its own right that, you know, it may seem simple from the, from the get go, but there's a lot more to it than, so it seems if you spend that 30 seconds to a minute looking at it. Well, and the complications that, you know, the sort of layers to it that you're discussing is another part of it that I think uh, people take for granted is, is how purposeful the surface is yeah. of it. Um, it's very and, deliberate. Yeah, and it's got this very, you know, kind of gently modeled surface. And I think the, the you know, if you gave a, a bunch of people some paint and the canvas and the, the exact same paint the artist had and said, make this, I think they would find it a lot harder than they yeah. would. And, and part of it would be to get that surface exactly as it is here. It's very, very careful and it's very, you know. It's textured because it wants to be textured. Yeah, and he's he's removed like the traces of how he did it in a way too. I mean, I'm sure it's rollers and things, but it's very carefully like it's it's got a it's it's help, that surface is is adding to the effect of the light mm -hmm. on the painting and that it's adding another little thing for the light to kind of bounce off of and it's even casting little shadows on the painting itself which are when there's so little in the painting to look at that becomes part of the the subject of the painting yeah. really i think it's kind of like uh, was like van gogh that really kind of brought that to the forefront well, with yeah, like the, the sort very of, thick textured yeah the yeah and he's kind of playing off you know what the impressionists were doing yeah. a little bit before that and in that thick impasto yep. paint that they're throwing on you know very quickly and, and making that and it's like that was done in this like very expressionistic you know passionate way and here it's like using that kind of the texture of the paint in this very kind of like cool removed but very calculated and intentional mm -hmm. way yeah all right yeah. any other thoughts well i when we first walked in this room i was like um i was just like vanilla orange blonde ale like hmm. a creamsicle okay so if you look at you know just this highlighted part in the middle again i see this as orange so just like kind of like a big block of orange bursting out of the the picture and just like looking like a you know obviously without the vanilla bottom at the end at the bottom but just kind of looking like a orange creamsicle on a stick okay. just with the middle popping out like that okay yeah i can see that and that kind of again you're going in that orange direction yes. still so are we this painting is orange don't don't believe what they have to say <laughs> See, right? yeah. it's, it's orange yellow like I stand over here it looks it looks a little bit more yellow yeah and then I stand back over here it looks more orange than yellow and yeah I think you're right I, I think it is probably firmly in the middle of the two colors and it that for me I do still it, it, if I came in this room I'd go yellow um, mm -hmm. but I can see where you're coming from and especially when I look at this one stripe mm -hmm. on the side that's what really sells me it definitely right does there. lean into the to the orange side on that part but I think it, it yeah, is the other stripe but it's more yellow than orange and then it's yeah. kind of back to the square <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I guess we do only have one more painting in this room that we haven't talked about. It's true. It feels kind of weird to leave it out at this yeah, point, might as well. doesn't it? Yeah. So this is called Column uh, by Bukong Y. Kim. Um, who also a uh, local uh, artist who we've, we actually had a show of her paintings um, in this, this gallery. So uh, this painting was uh, a part of uh, those and was uh, surrounded by her works. So what would you go with here? Or maybe again, we should describe it uh, a little bit first in sort of painting terms. And this one is uh, probably one of the, I guess like the the painting of the, you know, the tree maybe uh, has a little more sense of a representation than some of the ones we're looking at. And then it seems to clearly be a space. We see this sort of room that has a column in it, some suggestions of doorways, but it's very expressive in its paint, um, the way it's painted, you know, it's very brushy. Um, it's also very translucent. So we have all these kind of thin layers that we're, we're seeing. It kind of feels very drawn in a way, like that we're seeing the kind of the canvas underneath kind of reflecting light back at us in certain parts. Um, and then we also have bits of, of text and, and writing um, on top of it too in, in Korean. So, I, man, I, this one I would not know what to necessarily, what this would taste like. I mean, the color palette is all very like, kind of wood, you know, kind of the the color of the wood and yep. stuff and the the kind of dark reds and things. So. I mean, it's I feel it's got color choice gives it a, a heaviness and a weight, but in the same time the way it's presented, uh, so there's some lighter areas that make it also seem ethereal at the same mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I mean, that's a that's kind of a hard thing to try and unify. Um, yeah. And then on you know, on top of that, you've got kind of ghost I guess we'll, it's like ghost calligraphy, ghost writing um, that is seems, you know, there's some very heavy dark lines with it and there's some very light ones. So it's, I mean, it's playing with that, that same idea, I guess, from, from earlier of uh, weight with, mm -hmm. uh, with weight, without weight kind of thing. Um, it's like a heavy weightlessness. Hmm, that's a great way to describe this painting, yeah. Um, there's something kind of, um, again, I'm getting maybe like a smokiness to yep. it as well from all the, the kind of those dark black areas and the way they kind of smoke out and, and, and sort of trail off. Again, that words that are very ethereal, yes. I guess smoke is, is also something sort of, you know, it's a, where people get paid with these words. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like I can't tell if this is a, supposed to be a mirror image sort of uh, with the, there's sort of like what I would say is a door area mm -hmm. that may or may not be mirrored um, across the painting. Hmm. Um, and this is, uh, this is fairly complicated, I, I'd say. This is, uh, this is, this would not be a simple beer. This would be something big, probably something that would be aged on wood. Um, it may or may not have a smoke component, like, like you were saying earlier. Uh, there's like just subtle like kind of pinks and stuff too it is really hard to because nothing is like everything is almost there yeah <laughs> and that's probably why it's a, a little more of a challenge too yeah, yeah there's more color the more you look at it yeah i mean it's it's like it's it's really dark but in in outside the areas where it gets a little bit lighter there's a lot of vibrancy mm -hmm. um to it i mean not not a ton of vibrancy but for what the the feeling of the painting i feel like it's it's very joyous comparative to a lot of the the very heavy dark 
Yeah, like what, I mean, you know, like the pink I just pointed out kind of here in the lower uh, left corner, it's like in the context of this painting, that pink feels very bright. Yes. Yes. In the context of the Stuart Goldman painting right this next quite, to it, it feels very <laughs> muted. Yes, quite it's muted. Hard it's hard looking at it because your peripherals are all colored to crazy. We have this great orange painting over here to the left. And Yellow. then we have all these, <laughs> all these crazy colors to the right. So it do, and you're right, it does kind of... Uh, get brighter as the more you look at it but it's really hard in context like you have to get yeah, put, yeah. almost put blinders on to kind of yeah, keep true. the other colors out of your face in this room it starts to feel very brown but it, in reality you can, I'm seeing like some more blues and greens in there kind of hidden um, but they're very very subtle it's warming up a lot it's, yeah it's really opening up like I, I could definitely see I mean uh, in deference to the uh, originating country of the artist now I could see this being uh, imperial barrel aged stout um, utilizing some traditional uh, spicing from Korea. Hmm, okay, that could be interesting. Yeah, I think because I think there's there's uh, like some spicy, smoky. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Like er, like uh, spices that they use, um, so I could see that just kind of being on top. You know, just adding that into the barrel before, yeah. before we're done with it. Yeah, and I don't think that's wildly inappropriate because, again, with the Korean writing, I feel like that kind of brings it back in. Oh, yeah, you I know? mean, there's You've... definitely it's definitely placed in a specific culture yeah. uh, because of that. Um, and, and I could definitely, I mean, like, I, I, I think um, some of the spicings that we've used in the previously, it's, they're, they're similar in, in color. There's, like, little little flecks of red in, in between these, you know, the more... Uh, browns and, and, and dark browns that you'll get from like uh, certain spices. Mm -hmm. Any uh, any other thoughts on this one? I, no, I really like the the. There's a bunch of wood in this painting, so I think Jared nailed it with the the barrel age yeah. character. Yeah. Uh, of it, maybe like a roasty or smoky, two words I don't like very much, but uh, <laughs> a roasty and smoky type of... they just of, overused? <laughs> I have a roast and smoke sensitivity in my palate, so oh, okay. if I try that, it kind of envelops my whole uh, okay. taste of it, so I don't really like that in our beers. Yeah. Um, but I could definitely see how this would lend itself to that roast and smoke yeah, characteristics. Definitely. That sounds about right to me, too. Well, thanks so much, guys. This has been so fun to it's to, been a lot of fun. to look at paintings in a totally different way than I ever have before. <laughs> yeah, thanks for. I mean, it was it was uh, and the idea was pitched to me. I was like, that sounds hilarious. Let's do that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> sounds like awesome. a good time. Yeah. No, I had a great time. <laughs> thanks again. Same time next week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having us. Absolutely. Sure. Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. General admission to the museum is always free and we also offer free parking. The special exhibitions on view right now are William Kintridge, More Sweetly Play the Dance, Ragnar Kjartansen, The Visitors, and Scenes from Western Culture, and Terracotta Army, Legacy of the First Emperor of China. Become inspired by the Terracotta Army and create your own clay figure with Visionaries and Voices artist Carlos Perez at our Artist Workshop on Saturday, May 19th at 1 p.m. For program reservations and more information, visit CincinnatiArtMuseum.org. You can follow the museum on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and also join our Art Palace Facebook group. Our theme song is Offrande Musicale by Bacalao. And as always, please rate and review us on iTunes. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum.